From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Happy motherfucking Friday! Yeah. <laughs> you know we oh, got to re- like that? You like that Michael Jackson shit at the end there? <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay, first off, you just mentioned Michael Jackson. Is it true they're doing a biopic? So I'm I'm worried. And who's crazy enough to try and play Michael Jackson uh, in a movie? It's career suicide if you screw it up. Well, this is it's going to be a no-name. It's not going to be anyone that we know right now. It's going to be someone who hopes to be someone, right? It's it's like an Austin Butler situation. And Austin Butler's a great actor. Actually, I've seen him in other projects. But when he played Elvis in that biopic, he became Elvis. And and that was a good career launcher for, th- for him. And I think he's got a good career ahead of him because of it. But you can't kind of go backwards. And as a, you know, whatever. I don't even know who would play Michael Jackson I could think of that's popular right now. I can't even think of someone. And also, it depends on which Michael Jackson we're talking True. We're talking about, like, let's be honest, is it 80s Michael Jackson? Is it 90s Michael Jackson? What are we going with here? Uh, but yes, they are. To answer your question, they are. Um, there is going to be a Michael Jackson biopic. And the selection process, I hope, is going to be a tough one. If they don't have this written correctly, they're 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 going to ruin it. Yes. They're going to absolutely ruin any shot of any, because we haven't really had any good Michael Jackson biopics. And sorry for the biopics that are out there, but they weren't very well done. So this is apparently a bigger one. Yes. I know who should play Michael Jackson. Who? I've always thought not only should he play Michael Jackson, he would be this generation's Michael Jackson had that incident not happened. Uh Uh-oh. Chris Brown is the perfect person to play Michael Jackson. Chris Brown sounds like Michael Jackson. He dances like Michael Jackson. He looks like Michael Jackson looked in the 80s. Chris Brown is Michael Jackson. But I don't know if people are ready yet because uh-uh. of everything that went down with Rihanna. Yeah, probably not. What about a Bruno Marsish character? I, I don't think he can dance. He could. He could probably be trained. Maybe I, I think he can dance though. You've seen his music videos. He can dance. He, not like Michael Jackson. Chris, Michael, oh, Chris Brown no, can dance okay. like Michael Jackson. I mean, nobody can dance like Michael Jackson. It's my Usher. Usher is the closest one to it, but he just doesn't look like Michael Jackson, so that wouldn't work. Usher is the only other person that I probably yeah. would suggest, and I do that begrudgingly because you hate Usher. Yeah. I know. So <laughs> you must be like loathing this because if the Bills make the Super Bowl, you're going to be so pumped, but then the halftime show is going to come on, you're going to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> he pushed me once. He pushed me. I'm going to sue him. Maybe oh, you deserved it. If we have time, I'll ask Sandra Ziskin. Can I go back and sue Usher for pushing me yeah. 15 years ago? Because I'm still not over it. Still not over it. So great. We have a lot to get to in this episode of After 9, and, I, geez, I don't even know where to start. Um, do you ever watch, uh, do you still watch Dragon's Den and Shark Tank and you know shit what? like that? I, I still love watching those shows. My husband and I have it, like, on one of those automatic recordings, so I don't watch every episode, but every now and again when we have, like, 30 minutes and we're like, ah, we don't want to start watching one of our other shows or a movie, we'll pop on Shark, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, and it's great. Okay, one of the stars of the show, a Canadian, Kevin O'Leary, for some reason, is getting a lot of attention on U.S. media. I've seen him on CNN and MSNBC yeah. and even Fox News recently. And I think they're going to him because, A, he's a business person. B, he's a media personality in America. And C, he's Canadian. And there seems to be a real fascination about Canadian politics in America. So just yesterday, Kevin O'Leary did an appearance on Fox News. And he was asked about Justin Trudeau. Would you like to know what Canada's de facto business leader thinks? I I actually am curious, yeah. Um, Canada has one of the best natural resource bases on Earth. It's one of the richest countries on Earth from a natural resource basis. It's managed by idiots. 
Trudeau is the worst prime minister ever put in power. Very successful politician, no executional skills. Hopefully, we will thank him for his service within the next 18 months. It's so important to Canada that he move on. Um, wow. Um, you know what? And He's right, though. Great politician, not a great leader. You go back to, um, I go back to when you were saying, is there something about him and, and the Americans quite like him? He's just, you know what? I think refreshing and honest. And he, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think he has much to lose. Uh, the the boat crash incident thing has already come and gone. So yeah. the guy's got nothing to lose, really, um, in, in talking about his opinions. And let's face it, government and business go hand in hand. They really do. So if you're thinking, what does he know about it? He deals with government all the time because of all of his business ventures that he's invested in. He, he pays more tax dollars than a lot of people do, right? Than the majority of people do. So I think that he most definitely has good insight into it. And because he's such a business guy and he's invested in a lot of different companies through the years, um, his own brands included, his Mr. Wonderful brands included, I think he's a great person to speak on it. So from a business aspect, of course, people don't really like Trudeau too much. They take way too much of our money, way too much. <laughs> but it's not just that, of course. Obviously, to him, it's a little bit more. There's so much going on this weekend in the world of sports. I will do a quick plug for the fact that tomorrow night, the Toronto Rock play. Go if, Rock! If you've never been to a National Lacrosse League game, it is one of the most fun sports experiences you will ever go to. Saturday night, Toronto versus Georgia at First Ontario Centre in Hamilton. And it's divisional playoff weekend in the NFL, Cat Tomorrow, Houston takes on Baltimore and Green Bay plays San Francisco. Then on Sunday, the ones that everybody's looking forward That's to. That's the thing is I feel like nobody talks about the Saturday, at least not around here. No one's talking about the Saturday games. Everyone's talking about the Sunday games. I think Sunday's game between the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be so far the most watched sporting event of the year. Which, um, what time is that? By the way, is that the earlier one or the later one? Later one, 6.30 okay. p.m. Okay. 6.30. All right, decent. Uh, we don't know if Tay-Tay is going to be there. And frankly, <laughs> I don't care that much, but I know Doesn't there's matter. some people interested. Yeah. And then before that, Detroit hosts Tampa Bay. And as we said earlier, a plea, please stop being mean to your friends that like the Detroit Lions. They might actually go a long way this year. Yeah. They're hosting a second playoff game this weekend, and it's against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am so, I'm such a nice wife. I'm going to take the kids out in the afternoon, like late afternoon, let my husband have that whole area to himself without running really? around and yelling wow. oh yeah yeah i'm just gonna take them out he doesn't even know yet but i already have plans to take them out and i'm just gonna say sit here enjoy here's wow. a bottle of whiskey have at her holy now, and then, then you clean them up when you get home we, yeah that's the thing is like we, when we come back i don't know what to expect uh and we might come back right at the end of the game which is actually probably worse but i'll try to keep them quiet but yeah i mean it's a it's a big deal it's a big deal in sports this weekend so have at her by the way those who are looking forward to the super bowl performances because we know we don't know who's going to be playing the Super Bowl yet but for those looking forward to the Super Bowl performances Post Malone is going to be one of the uh, lead up singers Reba McIntyre though is singing the national anthem and he's singing America the Beautiful Post Malone interesting choice interesting yeah. choice is Reba McIntyre I had nobody had that on their radar how did they settle on her? Is it just she's available and in Vegas at the time or did they want to attract a country well, audience? Yes. Are they looking for more gingers watching? I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want more gingers in the demo. No, I think that you, you're bang on with the country thing. They always, I, I find they always try to do their best to insert Chris Stapleton. Wasn't it last last year? Uh, he did the theme song for Sunday Night Football this year. Okay, there's always country involved in the, these things, but you'll notice there's less country artists involved in the halftime shows. And that may be viewership reasons. Obviously, we know Jay-Z is heavily involved. And let's face it, he's more hip-hop, R&B, rap than he is uh, country. 
Not to say he wouldn't probably have a country a star uh, doing the halftime show for sure, but I think that it is less alienating for them to at least include a country music star. And who other than Reba McIntyre? She, she goes through all the generations. People know her now. Younger people know her now from The Voice. They didn't even know that she existed. And, you know, if you're, if you're a touch older, you know Reba McIntyre. She's got some great country hits in the 90s. Fucking great. She also had a TV, and a TV show, show. And a whole lot of things. She's yeah. Reba. Do you remember that SNL skit? I do. They, by the way, deleted that across the internet. Really? Sidebar. There was this great skit Kenan Thompson did where he played Reba. He pretended to be Reba. And this was what, 10, I want to say 10, 12 years ago. Maybe, maybe more. It was like mid. Maybe it was like 15 years ago. It could, I it think it was like time mid ago. 2000s. But he just wore, <laughs> he just wore a redheaded wig and he walked around and said, I'm Reba. And it was so funny. Try to find that anywhere, Scott. I feel like Reba's team got, a, got a t- in touch with that and was like, I will fucking sue the pants off you if you don't <laughs> delete that from the world. I can't find it anywhere. I try to share it with people. Anytime Reba McIntyre gets brought up, I can't find it. If you can find it, guys, please send it to me. That's the one. That's the DM I will welcome. A link I will welcome in a DM. Otherwise, I'm not opening links in a DM. But please, if you could find the Reba skit from SNL, Kenan Thompson, send it to me. Thank you. One of the things that I feel like has happened in the last, I'm going to say year to year and a half, is a bit of a shift. A bit of a shift away from certain things that were sort of considered PC for a while, or they were going that way. And it's happened in so many different examples. Right now, we're talking openly about immigration. Uh, I heard yesterday that between the international students and the asylum seekers coming to Canada, that's putting a major, major strain on our housing market, on our health care system, on just about every civil or government service because there's so many people coming here. Now, refugees, asylum seekers, we have an obligation to them. But now some of the the big cities, like Toronto, is right in the thick of it. Montreal and Quebec City, now right in the thick of it. They're openly saying to the prime minister, you got to back off on some of this immigration because we just don't have the resources or the homes or anything to sustain all this. And, And the government keeps deflecting and they'll say things like, well, you know, asylum seekers, there's not a lot of options because legally we're not allowed to say no. If we imposed a visa system where in order to get on the plane to fly to Canada, you need a visa, that would mitigate a lot of that. We could also, it would be cheaper to to send CBSA workers to just about every airport in the world that flies to Canada and have them pre-screen people. There's a lot of things we can do. It seems like the government doesn't want to do it. But either way, Canadians are now talking openly about immigration without everybody accusing everybody else of being racist. Well... The LGBTQ plus movement was on a real incline for a while, and and it seemed to hit a bit of a bump, especially when it came to the school issues and whether or not parents should be informed if their kid wants to use different pronouns or wants to undergo gender reassignment surgery and things like that. But I think the debate so far has remained fairly civil. Until now. UFC... 297 is happening tomorrow night in Toronto, headlining the event, a middleweight championship bout between former champion Driscus DePlessis. I hope I said that right. I don't watch UFC. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Don't look at me. I don't either. And Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland, I'd never even heard of. And now I feel like I've heard way too much from this fucking guy, but he's going to be in Toronto and I'm really curious to see how the Toronto crowd responds to him because his comments have gone viral. This is about two minutes of his news conference in Toronto the other day. 
I'm glad to hear it. it's been great. Are you Canadian? Uh, of course I am. Are you part of the fucking opposition? Are you? Uh, I don't know how to phrase that. You, I mean, you got like fucking. Uh, yeah. Well, I did want to ask. Did you, you vote for Trudeau? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say. And, and let me tell you something right now, but man says he's not going to say. Like, if you ask a motherfucker, did you vote for Biden? He's like, well, I'm not going to say. That's none of your business. He voted for fucking Biden. Sean, so, I, hey. Sean, I'm glad you've had great experiences. So this is Our, this is what I'm talking about, you guys. The enemy. The enemy of Canada. Sure, sure. All right. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, we've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I'd... Oh, look, another... another I'm saying they the swamp, you guys. The swamp. You become a champion. You become a star. And, and someone said, let me ask you something. Are you, are you, are you gay? No, are you, let me, are you gay? Can I hear, can I get an answer? Well, no, I'm asking, I'm, this is a part of, are you, are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay. If you had a son and he was like, you know, yeah, son, he was gay. You'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid. No problem with it. Oh man, well, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau. Like, when you fucking, when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And, and the fact that, the fact that you have no fucking backbone and, and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts? You ask me some stupid shit like that? Go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. Really, that doesn't really coward. answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that you'd go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight, they'll have to accept me or denounce me when, uh, when they know what, and we'll know what they stand for. Are you this guy's like, hey, this Canadian's not that Canadian. Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. Ten years ago, to be trans was a, what, a mental fucking illness. And now all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaseled your way in the world. You are, you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right, fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, who they could fuck in school. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is a fucking enemy. Uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there. Asking these stupid fucking questions. Sorry, I'm, I, I told you UFC has been nicer. Lance, Lance, am I am I still doing this? Am I did I cross any lines? Hello, yeah. what the? F I'll answer that. Wow. Yeah, you crossed wow. a lot of fucking lines. Wow. I uh. Hey, listen, I, I don't like Justin Trudeau either, and I do think what he did to the truckers was horrible, and I think it was completely undemocratic, and I still think that there needs to be a real serious investigation into that. But for someone who's only heard little bits of the story, like most Americans have, to come up here and be that aggressive. You know, I thought we were having a civil debate about very serious issues like consent and parental involvement and things like that. And, and maybe you even agree with some of what Sean Strickland said there. The way he said it, the, the way he went after that reporter. I don't even know who the reporter is, but the reporter held their composure. I'll give him that. Yeah, I thought that whole thing was gross. Anybody who's sharing that and celebrating it, I'm sorry. You're not doing your cause any favors. That was nonsense, and I'm shocked that it was carried on television. Yeah, I had no. I mean, I had no idea. I heard a blurb about kind of uh, 
about his thoughts, I guess, but I don't really follow UFC, so I was just like, okay, whatever. I Honestly, in my mind, I thought, ah, yeah, Dana White probably loves the drama because everyone's talking about UFC because of it. I don't know. How do you feel Dana White feels about this? I think Dana White, see, the thing is, I, I know that there's people who feel that way. I know that there's people who agree with yes. him. And that just seems like one of those things that even if you do feel that way, it's not something that you you would go out and broadcast. If you want to have that conversation, hopefully in a much more civil way than this asshole yeah, did it, yeah. then, then go ahead and have that conversation. You know what? Have that conversation with someone who's a member of the LGBTQ yeah. community. To go on and, and just listen. espouse that. That sounded like hate to me, and I don't like that. Hey, listen, I am all for good practical, pragmatic, common sense conversations. That was gross. Anybody who's sharing that and celebrating it, I again, I don't think you're doing your cause any favors. I think the average person, fairly middle of the road, hears something like that and they're instantly outraged. I'm outraged. And I, I again, I don't understand why we carried that on television. Uh, is it going to get some attention for the UFC? I think it's certainly going to stereotype the typical UFC fan. I, I don't know that it's good publicity at all. And I'm really curious to see how Toronto handles it. Is yeah, he going to get a standing too. ovation or is he going to get booed out of the arena tomorrow? I know because the people who have U- the tickets to UFC are not, they're not going to get rid of their tickets just because of that. I don't think the majority of UFC fans are going to like let go of their tickets just because of this, but I'm interested to see what happens inside. You're right. Again, we can have the conversation about whether or not parents should be involved in the decision-making process, whether or not parents should be informed about what's going on with their kids at school. These are all very, very good things. We can have the conversation about even whether or not a pride flag should be hanging outside of schools. I know these are issues that some people want brought back up, but you can't do it like that. That was awful. It was gross. It was way, way, way too aggressive. And uh, I, I don't think people should be sharing that personally. In fact, I don't know why the UFC hasn't denounced that. They don't have to be pro or anti-LGBTQ. But to allow one of their fighters to go on in a news conference that was fucking televised and, and espouse that sort of shit, that wasn't right either. Holy yeah. shit. Because Well, I mean, and I, they didn't denounce it because they want to make sure that they get their money still, maybe. Do, but, do, but is he even the ticket price? Like Again, I don't know enough about the UFC to tell you if this guy's worth whatever they're getting or if people are like, ah, fighting over themselves to get tickets to watch him. Like, I don't know enough about it, so I couldn't tell you. But uh, it's, it is interesting that they didn't release any sort of statement. And you wonder if they will after, depending on how the fight goes. I don't know. Well, we're being a little controversial. Let's do another one that's a little controversial. But hopefully we can all have a civil conversation about it. Is it important that someone who comes to Canada can speak either English or French. Is it possible that, say, ask again? Is it, should it be required that if you come to Canada, you need to learn English or French? Or oh, both? one of the two. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying both. I'm like, I don't even know both. Um, uh, oh, this is a tough one. Because of course, I if I say, be. because of course, if I say yes, I, I'm then... I'm there's a lot of people who don't speak English in this country. There's a lot of people who don't speak English or don't even care to learn how to speak English. I remember growing up before I answer that, which is, I don't know, a tough one to answer, I suppose. But growing up, I had a lot of Portuguese friends and some of my Portuguese friends, mothers and fathers or grandparents lived in Canada, lived here and couldn't speak a, a lick of it and didn't give a shit. They were just speaking their native tongue and the people, their loved ones helped them. So if they had to go to the bank and do something, they would just bring their son, daughter, whatever, who knew English well enough to do it. Mm -hmm. 
that's kind of the way that they brought up. I don't know. I don't think I would feel comfortable. Like I put myself in that position. Like what if I just moved to, I don't know, Spain or something and in a place where it's not like tourist friendly, where there's no, there's no English spoken. I just know that I can't get mad at it, but should I not be allowed in because I don't speak the language? Not necessarily, no. Uh, there's a lot of people who come here and can't speak the language, but most people would go out of their way to at least learn I the basics. Ho- and, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, I hope so. I hope you at least learn, because it always used to frustrate me that people lived here 10, 20 years and didn't even bother to try. Why, what do you, like, why? Why wouldn't you want to try? I visited Dominican Republic recently, and I wanted to learn Spanish just for those eight, nine days that I was there. Like, because it frustrated me because I thought I should know this language. I should be the one that they shouldn't be the one bending over backwards because I'm trying to use Google Translate on them. Like, it's <laughs> fucked up. I, d- I could never see myself living in a place that where I didn't want to learn it. So I think everyone absolutely should. Not to say that they can't be allowed in until they learn it. I suppose if they're showing ways that they're or showing an effort to want to learn it. Fine. That's enough for me. But learn the language where you're living. My opinion. A new Pew Research Center survey finds 84% of Canadians believe speaking English or French is very or somewhat important to being Canadian. Of the more than 1,000 people surveyed across Canada, a shocking 15%. They consider it less or not at all important to be able to speak either of Canada's two official languages. I can't wrap my mind around that. I I don't understand why or what you're waiting for unless you're just really not that committed to being a Canadian. We have two official languages. You really only need to know the basics of one of them. And it's not even hard to do. We teach this to second graders. Yeah. By the way, I mean, maybe a conversation for another day, but French isn't really our second language because I know a lot of people that speak a lot of languages and less and less of them are French these days. Less and less. And do they need to be? Because French Canadian is so different. When you go to France speak and you know how to speak French Canadian, it's not the same. Right. Anyway, a conversation for another day. You're right. Uh, Crave says they're going to be charging more to avoid ads when you're watching their service. Two bucks a month more. Actually, it's two dollars and one cent. It's now going to cost twenty two dollars a month to enjoy the premium ad-free service. That's the only package that's affected. They say if you want their standard with ads subscription service, $15. Basic with ads, $10 a month. Hmm. And you don't really get much on their basic service. So let's go back to this because this is another streaming service that has all of a sudden had to raise their prices. And what I'm wondering is, when we were all cheering on the actors and writers in Hollywood, they got their big new deal. Well, now we're all paying yes, more. Yes, we are. Is it linked? Yes, we are. Or was it just a weird coincidence uh, that they all decided to raise rates at the same uh, time? May, maybe a mix as to why it's happening now or will happen this year. But there's going to be more announcements about it. Ten years ago, we called this, Scott. Like, I don't even know if you remember. When Netflix was all the rage and everyone started to get Netflix, I feel like, what was that, like 2013, 2012? Maybe earlier. I don't even know when Netflix started. But when people really started to get Netflix, we said We said the same thing, and I remember our conversation about it because I had just gotten Netflix. I was actually, like, slow to it. It took me a while to get it, but I got it. And I thought, there's no way they can keep this up because I feel like I'm getting a fucking great deal here. I'm able to stream all this content. It's good content, and it was, at the time, only, like, $6.99 a month or something stupid. Remember when they started, guys? It was so cheap, and we knew the streaming service is going to go up. There's going to be more streaming service. They're going to try to stay competitive, and by doing that, they're going to be lower prices and then they're going to start to escalate them next thing you know you really have to pick and choose what you want maybe it's one at a time maybe it's two streaming services at a time but really at the end of it when they said it's going to help cut the cost of watching things of entertainment of cable if you will 
It doesn't even necessarily do it. And the price is going to go up. And yes, the writers uh, getting more money, the actors uh, getting more money absolutely has everything to do with it. Streaming services were listed right there on the contract negotiations. It was one of the sticking points was making sure when you did a show for Fox, let's say, and your show was fucking hot, but then all of a sudden Netflix bought it. Those, those actors, those writers, they didn't get a fucking dime. Now they're getting money. So of course it's coming out of Netflix's pocket, for example, or in this particular case, this is HBO max probably that it, that it comes to. Cause that's, that's crave for the most part. That's exactly what's happening. They have to pay these people out more. You're the one paying for it, not HBO Max, not not anyone else, not Netflix, not Disney Plus. You're fucking paying for it. Well, this is part of the reason that I asked is I remember during the strike, we'd get text messages every day when it came up during our What's Trending segment on the Scott and Cat show. And people were cheering on the actors, cheering on the writers. Yeah, fuck them. They should hold oh. out and get everything they want. And what I'm wondering is if people yeah. would have been that supportive knowing that if they get what they want, yeah. you're going to pay more every month for the rest of your life and it'll probably keep increasing are you still that supportive knowing that you're personally going to pay because groceries is another example you know we had a number of strikes at grocery stores over the summer and they wanted more competitive wages and people were cheering them on cheering on the metro workers cheering on the everybody that was on strike well now the prices at the grocery stores are even higher and i'm wondering would people be as supportive of labor issues if they knew that the end result was going to be us, them, paying more. And I don't know what the answer is, but spoiler alert, you're almost always going to pay more. You wanted the writers and actors to to get this pay bump. Great, they got it. Well, now you're paying for it. Yes. You wanted the yes. grocery store workers to, to get a raise. Not that they don't deserve yeah. it, by the yeah. way. I think they do. They should be able to afford to shop in their own store that they work at. We but now we're all it. paying we more We all pay for, for it. You're absolutely right. Keep in mind, though, when it comes to stuff like that, we don't have options, taxpayers. In this case, you do. You have an option. You can leave the streaming services. You can downgrade to the ad tier version. But when it comes to the actors, I did fail for them. Like when people are on a hit show and they're getting paid for it, they have like a set price, but then it gets sold to Netflix and Netflix is profiting off of it. But it's your work as a writer, as a whatever. I mean, I don't, producers weren't necessarily involved in any of these strikes, but you're a writer and you're an actor. You get zero dollars for that. Like that's a shitty feeling. I wouldn't want anyone to feel that like terrible like that uh, when it comes to, their work being shown elsewhere and people profiting off of it. So I'm totally fine with it, but just be picky as consumers. We can be that there's the difference as we can control it as consumers. We can't control it as, as taxpayers. So that's maybe a different conversation, but yeah, if you don't like it, just, just leave them, just leave them. And it's okay. If you can't keep up with every show, like fuck it, who can, that's why the Emmy ratings were so shit. Not everybody could keep up with all these fucking shows that are on right now, even if they're like the, the good ones. So if you got to manage being on like just having stack TV, fucking give her and get stack TV. In fact, we recommend it. We, we own it. We, that's right? Why. I'm yeah. saying we because yeah. you're oh, in, right? I totally endorse yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, entertainment owns it. That's right. We don't personally own it. God, that'd be nice. That would be it? handy, wouldn't Man, it? I'd love to we have a streaming service. That. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, hey, we have a couple of things that we want to uh, get to on the pod and a special guest coming in, Sandra Ziskin from Diamond and Diamond, who's always incredible and, and gives us some of her time. And do we have her? We do have her. On. Yes. Okay. We got the, uh, we got the thumbs up. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Very good, thank you. Uh, everything was good with your holiday. Uh, off to a good start in the new year. Uh, the holiday ended too soon. That's the yeah. only problem with the holiday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear you, uh, Sandra. We wanted to get an update on the class action lawsuit that we spoke about before the holidays. You have launched this lawsuit against several universities because they're failing to protect their Jewish staff and students. 
For anybody who missed that episode, can you just bring us up to speed on where this lawsuit came from and where it stands right now? So essentially what happened was we started off with York University because we were getting a lot of complaints about what was going on on campus at York University. And then it spread out to many other universities, the most recent of which is McMaster University. Uh, We have UBC, McMaster, Queens, uh, formerly um, Concordia in Quebec, sorry, and formerly Ryerson, now TMU. Okay. How did you decide on those schools, but not some of the other ones? Like, for example, Western or Brock or Guelph. Does that mean everything is good on those campuses or just nobody's come forward from those schools? Oh, no, we're going one by one and we're looking, we have to look at it. It's not as simple as one act or, or not one act on campus. We're looking at a systemic problem that's gone back for decades. For example, York University was super easy to issue the claim because we knew that they had decades long of uh, decades long problem with anti-Semitism that they refused they refused to look at in any real way despite being told about it time and time again. So that was a very easy decision. So we have to go strategically school by school to see what the history is, how they're dealing with it. This is not just an October 7th reaction. This is a systemic problem that's been going on for a long time. Okay. The, it's shocking to me some of the things that have happened, not just on campuses, but across Canada. Things I never thought I'd see happening, like people openly protesting in the streets, calling for the eradication of the Jews or, or the dismantling of Israel. How much does October 7th play into this lawsuit that you've started? Well, I think what happened was, I think it was always festering under the surface, and then October 7th happened, and all of a sudden, everyone, including myself as a Jewish person in Canada, was all of a sudden shocked at the blatant anti-Semitism, shocked at how empowered people felt to be anti-Semitic. It was, they were emboldened and blatant, like they could just come out and say, yes, destruction to Jews, and felt that they were allowed to call for the destruction and death of Jews in Canada without any repercussions, without anything against them. That's the scariest part of all of this. What I don't understand is we have anti-hate laws on the books in Canada. Why is this not being enforced? I think that if it's not getting the message at the federal level, I think our federal government is failing us in a real way. Justin Trudeau should have convened all of the police chiefs at all the cities and said, listen, this is what we have to do, given a clear mandate across the board. But we can see even now he's flip-flopping at the uh, International Court of Justice on the genocide issue. He cannot seem to take a real stance, and I'm not sure why. Hmm. It's a great question. I think a lot of people are struggling to understand because it seems like all of this stuff that is going on openly and in public now and on overpasses and bridges and in malls, these are all totally counter to everything that that I was raised to think that Canada is a nation who supports the Jewish people and supports Israel. And it seems like the the opposition to that is just emboldened right now. So it's important, this lawsuit that you filed. I'm wondering... Do you want money or do you want changes to be made at these schools based on this, this class action that you're, you're using? No, we want change. It's not about the money. It's really not about the money. And it's not even, I, I mean, I'm not making money off of this. Nobody's making money off of this. We want to make sure that change is done. And we want to make sure that policies are put into place. I, it, it, it shouldn't have to be that in this day and age, a lawsuit needs to be brought to explain to people why a terrorist organization shouldn't be praised on campus by 
faculty and by students. This is where we are in Canada, and it's a sad state of affairs. We know how many schools are involved so far. Um, Are you contemplating launch of of any comparable class actions at other universities where similar incidents have occurred? Okay. Nothing that that you're willing to say at this point until you do a little more work on it? Well, I'm working with Lawfare Project, who started the uh, lawsuits in the States with Carnegie Mellon and some of the other U.S. schools. And what we're doing is going school by school because we're trying to hold each and every one accountable. We also feel that once one is held accountable, they will all fall into place, and that's the hope. At the end of the day, this is not something we want to be doing. This is not, I don't want to be seeing this. Listen, York University was my alma mater. Western's my alma mater as well. I didn't want to be suing them. This is not how it was supposed to be. But I cannot believe in this day and age in Canada, like you said, Scott, you know, my parents were immigrants to this country. We came here because this is free, freedom, democracy. We applaud and celebrate democracy. And I have to go and explain to faculty and to staff and to universities why a a designated terrorist organization is not something to be appreciated and not something to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really shocks me about the stories that I've heard from some of the university campuses is it's not just students. It's profs. It's yeah. staff. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they're like preaching this shit in, in, to their, their students. And I just can't yep. wrap my mind around it. This is supposed to be what we celebrate, higher education in Canada. We take pride in our higher education in Canada. And some 100%. of these lunatics that are teaching there are teaching all yep. the wrong stuff. Yep. But, but by the way, you are allowed to criticize the Israeli government, just like you're allowed to criticize the government to say you don't like Biden or you don't like Trudeau or you don't like Netanyahu. It's all the same thing. You can criticize all you want. You don't like their policies. You don't like their procedure. You're allowed to have an open, frank, intellectual discussion. You are not, the line is not very difficult. And why the universities cannot enforce the line is beyond me. The line is simply when you call for the destruction of a person or a people Mm. or an identified group, that That is where you cross the line. That is where you are now into hate speech, and that's when you are done. You cannot say Antifada, you cannot say river to the sea, and you cannot preach for the destruction of Israel. That is just not okay. Well said. So we are going to talk to you about just a couple other things that are a little off topic, but before we get to that, I think this is so important. If someone wants to get involved in the class action, if someone wants more information on it, if someone feels like they may have been victimized as a Jewish student or staff member in one of these schools, how do they get in touch with you or how do they join in this class action? Uh, Everyone is in unless you're specifically out. So that you don't have to worry about. But if you need more information or you need to get in touch with us, 1-800-567-HURT or diamondlaw.ca. Okay. okay, fantastic. Uh, yeah, Sandra, we just wanted to pick your brain about a couple of things that we've been talking about over the last week or so on the Scott and Cat show, if we might. Please. Okay, so this one just came down, and I'm so curious to hear what you think about it, A, and B, if this could happen in Canada, because right now this is in the States, this is in New York specifically. Madonna is being sued by two fans for starting her New York concerts two hours late. She is accused of false advertising. 
negligent misrepresentation and unfair and deceptive trade practices in this suit. Now, she's not the only one named. They also named Live Nation. <laughs> By the way, the lawyers at Live Nation, pff, you're busy. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, it stems from the concerts at the Barclays Center. So this is December 13th, 14th, and 16th. It was supposed to start at 8.30. That's what's on the ticket. That's what's on the website. Right. She didn't even hit the stage until 10.30. And we know, at least from what we know, it wasn't because of any weird circumstance uh she couldn't get there in time technical issues whatever it was because she just felt like going on at 10 30 where are we at with these kind of lawsuits in canada do you see something a suit a class action even against artists where do you stand here I don't think there would be anything like that in Canada. They do have some very specific things about representation in the states that we don't have here. Um, listen, as 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 somebody who wants the concert to start when it starts, I'm all for these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have much of a leg to stand on. This has been kind of the ongoing. Even if it if even if we didn't contract for it, it's been implied. I mean, we all know when we go to concerts, they start late. Very few start on time. It's just the way that it's always been. It's been an part of the contract but listen from a from a older person's point of view i'd be very happy if you started at 8 30. i wouldn't mind 7 30 to be it's, honest it's, with you i mean <laughs> the train's leaving there's a sitter at home you know if my bed is warm i'd really like to just watch the show and go home that's the thing Correct. right that's the Correct. thing it's... i don't think there's much of a leg to stand on here but we'll see how it folds out yeah i'm super curious okay another one that came up on our show this week is we were talking about that that horrible situation where you're driving down the road and and the car in front of you gets in a crash or it goes yeah. off the road. And we asked a question and it was a little surprising the answer. Would you stop and help? Or right. would you be the one to call 911? Or would you just keep on going? It's amazing how many people say they probably wouldn't get involved. They would probably maybe call 911 unless someone else did, but they weren't going to stop and help. And a lot of people said they're worried about liability. Is that an actual concern? If I see a car accident and somebody is trapped in the car, could I be sued for trying to help them if I do something wrong in doing that? So it would be very difficult for you to be sued for trying to help. Now, that being said, if you held yourself out to have some sort of special knowledge and you went there and did further damage, then technically you could get sued. Or, for example, let's say somebody's neck was broken. I'm thinking of a situation where somebody's neck is broken, and then you move mm-hmm. them and you paralyze them, right? Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to really wait for the, the reason. The reason you sh- calling 911 is the best thing always. There are paramedics, there are trained professionals, they're there to deal with every single situation. The problem is when the lay person gets involved and they make these decisions, they can, in fact, make things worse. And I have to tell you, and I don't want to be a person saying not to help people, but I've had many, many accidents, including a, a gentleman I can speak of who lost both his legs when he stopped at the side of the road to help somebody, mm. and another car lost, lost control, went into oh. him and lost both of his legs. Oh, no. We heard some horror stories when we did talk about this, too. A uh, similar and unfort- more unfortunate outcome was that uh, a man got hit by a snowplow trying to help somebody else out of a, at a snowstorm. So any situations like that, best thing to do, call 911, and that Just comes... Call 911. Okay, that, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Listen, that's what they're trained for. This is what the fire... We have amazing firefighters, amazing paramedics. They know what they're doing. They know how to block out an area. They know what to do for the injury. And, you know, you think you're helping, and you can make the situation worse let the professionals deal with it okay well said i was we wanted a little clarification on that so thank you very much sandra My um, pleasure.
Okay. Do we have to cover anything else here, Kat, with, with Sandra? Um, I think I think we took up enough of Sandra's time, yeah, but by all means. Yeah, if, <laughs> wow. We always do. Okay, well, one thing I want to say then, if we're going to wrap this up, is, you know, Sandra isn't just a contributor here on the After 9 podcast. We actually have worked with Sandra, and I have a family member who had a personal injury situation, mm-hmm. and it was against a fairly big corporation, which I'm not going to name, but uh, Zev in, in the office there at Diamond and Diamond handled that case for this person. And, and had a real great outcome. It worked out really well for them. So I can, I can tell you unreservedly that if you have a, a need to call Diamond and Diamond, you really are making a smart choice because they do great work. So, Sandra, thank you very much for all that you guys did for that special person Forever. to me. We really appreciate it. And uh, Thank you. And we won't tell Zev how good he is because his head is already big enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just block that part of the podcast. Now. <laughs> That's great. If you, guy, if, if you need uh, If you need a lawyer, please call Diamond and Diamond. They are incredible. And thank you again, Sandra, for your time. Thanks, guys. And we'll do this again soon, okay? Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Sandra's great, isn't she? She's awesome. Love her. Yeah, we got to have her on more often, man, because she actually knows what she's talking about when it comes to law. <laughs> we we don't necessarily, so. <laughs> Anything that we say is really just a theory. If she it's says just, it, it's much more of an educated it's opinion. It's just a theory and an opinion. Hers is actually, yeah, there's education behind it. Okay, I got two more things before we wrap it up. Saskatchewan. I really like some of the stuff going on in Saskatchewan. It seems like a real common sense province lately. They have now, uh, Saskatchewan's government is banning health providers from giving out taxpayer-funded crack pipes for smoking drugs. A harm reduction specialist in the Regina area, Network of Drug Users Group, says that move is going to make users go back to needles as pipes won't be readily available. Needle users are at greater risk of infection and overdose as drugs go directly into the bloodstream. There's also some sharing of needles, which, as you know, if you take someone else's blood and inject it into your own blood, that's not a good thing if, if they're sick. I don't know why we don't have more conversations like this because it seemed to have just gotten decided not only are we going to have safe consumption sites, which I personally happen to be in favor of, but then somewhere along the line it got decided and we're going to give you a clean supply of drugs. So I don't know where those come from. I like guess is the government cooking meth and shit to give out to these people or where do we get it from yeah. to give it to them? Is it what was confiscated that they're just reusing? Like, well, it looks good. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> they can't possibly do that unless they test it. And, and then that draws a lot of other questions. Like how much is testing for that? Right. And how much are the drugs themselves? I mean, how much are we paying for this? How much are we paying for the very illegal and illicit drugs that we're just giving people, by the way? Mm. How, how much is that costing? And then people started to find out that not only are we giving them a place to do it, and giving them the drugs to use, we're apparently also funding the accessories. There's um, crack pipe kits that you can get in Toronto. Public Health will give them to you. You can get them just about anywhere. And the taxpayers are paying for crack pipes yeah, that we hand out to people. They're branded with the City of Toronto uh, logo on them. They're branded? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? That's fucked up. Like, when can we have a serious conversation about that? Because it seems like a lot of this shit just got decided and nobody really had a say in it. Because I have a feeling the average person that has seen nothing but their taxes go up. And in Toronto, it's about to go up at least 10.5%. It's way worse, yeah. Maybe up to almost 17%. I think taxpayers would like to know or have a say in whether or not we're funding crack pipes for drug addicts. Who can we have on to talk about that? I feel like we, this is going to, this that's a necessary conversation we should have in the pod and we should have it with someone who maybe even can make us understand why. 
That's what I want is someone to make it make sense of it. I have a theory. If there is any sense of it. He's kind of a colleague of ours. Uh, let me work on that. Okay. I'll see if I can line something up for next week. Finally, last thing we're going to do. I'm really glad that this is a conversation we are finally having on a formal level. There's a government commission, on a provincial government commission, that's traveling around Ontario to different municipalities to try and find efficiencies. It was in Kitchener yesterday at the Crown Plaza Hotel. And one of the things that happened at this, two of the things, were all the local mayors in Waterloo Region, mm. Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. This is another thing we need more time on because I could lose my fucking mind. And the townships. They all got together and they said, you know what? We'd like to change local government. We have this regional government above us, between us and the province. We would like more independence to make decisions about our own city. Well, the other proposal is, or we just fire all you fuckers and we just have one level of government that essentially governs the entire region. So it wouldn't necessarily be Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, Wilmot, and the list goes on. It would just be Kitchener. Or it would just or be Kitchener-Waterloo, yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that really resonated with me was the statistics. Waterloo region has a population of 640,000 people. But it has eight different municipal councils and a total of 66 elected council Ugh. positions. For comparison, in London, love you London, population 515,000, that functions just fine with 16 councillors. Interesting. Not 66. 66 in is overload, man. Hamilton, 721,000 population, 16 councillors, and it runs just fine. Toronto, 3 million people. They have 26 councillors. Yeah. Why yeah. in the holy shit are there 66 of them in Waterloo Region? And why haven't we had this conversation more and in depth and in a real way that we're actually going to decide or have a referendum or yeah. a vote? Yeah. Because I think if we have a vote, if I'm reading the room right, people will vote to amalgamate. And, and eliminate, yeah. uh, we can fire seven different mayors and a chair. Yeah. We can fire uh, at least 50 councillors that are all making six figures. Which means saving money. The only people that are opposed to it are the people that are making money off of it being cities. That's right. I'll it, say that much right now. It's mayors. It's mayors, mayors that want to keep their job. Anyone related to them. You know what I mean? Anyone in the circles of them. Those are the only people that are for it that I find that I've spoken to. Let's keep in mind, too, we need to be able to control it as people who are in the Waterloo for the people who are in the Waterloo region, we got to control it before we are not going to get the chance to control it because the next government that comes in, who knows, right? You might not get the chance to. So I agree with you. Put it to a vote. There's so many benefits to me. So many more benefits as someone who, who has grown up in that region since five years old. I did too. Fucking change it. Amalgamate. There's talk about it for years and years and years. And, and th those numbers, that's proof alone it needs to be done, in my opinion. We've given you a lot of food for thought in this episode. Yeah. Feel free to weigh in over the weekend. Uh, just keep it brief. You can DM us anytime at Scott Fox on Air or at Voice of Cat. Have a good one, everybody. We will catch you right back here with another episode of After 9 on Monday. Bye, friends. Peeps are introducing new flavors for Easter 2024, such as Rice Krispies and Sour Strawberry. Though I prefer the original flavor, Neon Shoe Foam Left in Hot Car. A state lawmaker in Kentucky recently introduced a new bill that would make it legal for a person to have sex with a first cousin, while Alabama is making it mandatory. <laughs> 
sticky foam excreted from a bug's anus may inspire new skincare products. Apparently, when attacked, the European alder spittle bug farts out a foamy substance that forms a protective jacket and could be beneficial for the skin because of its antimicrobial effects. Amazing. And explains Maybelline's new slogan, maybe she's born with it, maybe a bug farted on her face. <laughs> copy of the first issue of the Amazing Spider-Man comic was recently sold at auction for $1.38 million. Said the winner's wife, <laughs> he doesn't have a wife. Stream on Stack TV.